We're here to help you navigate your business growth with strategic conversations and insights from experts in multiple industries. Welcome to Wayfinding Growth. This episode is brought to you by Impulse Creative. I'm Jackie, and if you want to see real results and work with great humans to grow your business, then Impulse Creative is your agency, and I'm your contact. Reach out to me through our website, impulsecreative.com today, and let's chart your course for growth. From a website that will get results to helping implement a marketing strategy, we're here to help your business grow. Welcome, Wayfinders. I'm Dan Moyle. And I'm Remy Tabeg. So today we get to talk to VP of Customer Experience at Drift, Julie Hogan. So Dan, what did you like about this episode? It was so much fun. It was. Julie's incredible. It's funny because like she says at one point in this interview, something about um, being a small world. You never know who's going to be your next whatever. And that's the case here. Like we met, you know, probably 10 years ago when she was at HubSpot. So full circle for us. Um, so I walked away this episode with a couple of things. Uh, her lessons from her internship at Make-A-Wish mm-hmm. and how like, just get out and do the work, just go do the work. What an, what a great, yeah. great segment that was. And then the power of relationships was a thread that she weaved throughout the conversation from her proudest moment to her days off article on medium to her wayfinder advice relationships yeah. and how you invest in those was so important. So yeah, a lot of great stuff. How about you, man? So I had a couple, there's a couple of really good ones. Um, she talked about, and this is one thing I love about drift, the, they're, they're scrappy. They try to do a lot with a little, um, but being scrappy and making sure that you're focused enough where it doesn't turn sloppy because, because if you do scrappy too long, then sloppy can, can start to take over. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved that she talked about the perspective of the returners, especially from like there's a lot of companies, us included, that are talking about like paternity and maternity leave, but we're not really thinking about what the experience is once the um, individuals return. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really cool. She's like, is there dust on their desk? And I'm taking literally like I came back and there was legit dust on my desk. And it really kind of hit me like, wow, like, how could you make that experience better? I thought that was great. And then from a leadership standpoint, I really loved how she framed um, becoming Peter Pan's shadow, Mm. right? Uh, Because I think a lot of people like, you know, make yourself, um, you know, replace yourself, if you will, or however you want to phrase that. But becoming Peter Pan's shadow doesn't sound as threatening. And I really like the visual that that ties in. So it was just an amazing episode. Julie's, Julie is fantastic. So I'm so glad that we got to share time with her. Yeah, me too. Thanks for uh, helping set this up. Yeah, go go follow her in LinkedIn and, and check out her Medium articles. Great stuff. Um, and if you want to listen on the go, we have audio only episodes on your podcast player of choice. So subscribe there. If you want to watch, wayfindinggrowth.com where you can do that and get uh, subscribe there as well for updates in your inbox. So Edmonton, friends, here we go. Season three, episode nine. Let's set that course for growth. Woo! Julie Hogan, welcome to Wayfinding Growth. Uh, we're so glad to have you on the show finally. This is exciting. Welcome. Hi, Dan Remington. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Absolutely. So I want to start off with uh, getting to know you a little bit. I mean, we do, sure. but we want to we want to share that. that uh, I want to chart the course. You are at Drift now as the Vice President of Customer Experience, right? Mm-hmm. That hasn't changed in the last week or anything? <laughs> nope. Nope. Still still here. <laughs> Everything yes. changes so fast nowadays. Like titles right now. are big. Especially at Drift. Good question. Right. So so you're at Drift. Let's chart the course. How did you get here? Sure. Um, So I'm going to start 
with my first job. Uh, and the reason I'll start mm. there is it's totally different from what I'm doing now. I was at Deloitte Consulting right out of school. So I have an English degree from a state college, knew I needed to pay off student loans. And <laughs> the, the place that I was told paid pretty well out of school and I would learn a lot with consulting. And so I uh, started Deloitte Consulting. I was there for a little, little under three years and I was ready to have a job at a company. So when you're in consulting, you work on behalf of a bunch of different places and I learned a ton and wanted the opportunity to, to work at one place. And so a friend of mine who I worked with there said, hey, there's this place in Boston, right outside of Boston in Cambridge. It's about 100 people. They just did like $6 million in revenue. They're in an incubator space. Uh, the people who started it are from MIT. It's pretty cool. Uh, I bet you'd love it. Really smart people, really fast paced. And so uh, he introduced me to HubSpot. And so that's how I ended up at HubSpot. And I thought, okay, this is cool. This will get me back. I'm originally from the Boston area. This job will get me back to Boston and I'll be able to consult with these customers. At the time I was an individual contributor helping customers onboard and adopt this new thing uh, back in 2010, it was brand new called inbound marketing. And maybe one of my customers will hire me. That was my idea. <laughs> maybe I'll meet a customer and they'll hire me and that's, that's what happened. And I stayed there for eight years. I fell wow. in love with, the, the ride um, mm. going from, you know, at the time 100 employees, six and a half million to what, you know, I, I left um, in, in 2017. So saw, saw a lot of growth and just incredible. I felt like I won the lottery. It was an incredible opportunity to learn, to be a part of something like that. And along the way, I met uh, David Cancel and uh, mm. Elias Torres who um, had come to HubSpot through acquisition from their company, Performable. And I got to know them. And when they left, I remember just being so sad because I loved working with both of them. And I said to David, I'm so sad you're leaving, please keep in touch. And so two and a half years ago, David, um, very on brand for David, reached out and said, hi, it's me, I'm keeping in touch. <laughs> and we started talking about uh, what was going on at Drift and the opportunity to help build and, and scale something again was, was going to be there. And, and so I, I came over here and I've been here ever since. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, it's funny because Fun. around 2010 is when I was introduced to HubSpot. So I can remember that hundred employee, tiny company, like, yeah. It's incredible. Um, it was amazing. It was a lot of fun. And inbound marketing was brand new too. It's, I was having this conversation with someone the other day about, you know, now here at Drift, we talk a lot about conversational marketing and the transition there. And you know, 10 years ago, I would be on the phone with customers who would say, well, my, my budget goes to ad spend in the New York Times and radio spend and <sighs> commercials. And literally having the conversation, it sounds crazy now, but having the conversation with people that, Yes, I know that, that you're spending there, but your audience is on the internet. And we put right. buying from the internet. And they're like, no, 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 my customers don't buy from the internet. And like people laugh at it now that that sounds crazy, but now it's, it's just the way the world works. And so it's, I think we're almost at a similar time too, where yeah. convincing people that like the trend is now moving toward real time, personalized conversations. Uh, that's, that's what's happening and that's where marketing's moving. So it's, been fun so it's like the same conversations just switch right. out inbound for conversational now. <laughs> exactly. That's fun. So one of the things I want to ask about real quick is you, you did, you skipped this part of your career, but I want to go back to, uh, you had an internship at the Make-A-Wish Foundation at the beginning, right? 
Like, yeah. what was that like? I want to go back to that for just a second, just kind of unpack that, because that's to me sounds like an amazing experience. Was it as everything it, I think it would be? Yes. So I um when I when I went to school, I, I mentioned earlier I, I majored in English. And when I went to school, I thought uh, for sure I was going to go into some sort of public service or um, some sort of nonprofit. And I had this idealized vision in my head of what that meant um, and, and you know what it would be to, to take on those jobs. And I got advice from someone who said, before you dedicate yourself down a path, go do the work first. And so I worked at the Make-A-Wish and it was incredible um, because I, I learned a ton about what goes into running a nonprofit and also what reliance you have on the corporations you partner with to get things done. And so I think that exposure to the corporate side of, of what you needed to do to fund those activities, to drive those programs forward, got me interested in something that was at a little bit of a different pace. So Make-A-Wish Foundation is an amazing place. Uh, but what it sort of opened my eyes to was, was what it meant to maybe work at something that had a little bit of a different rhythm in terms of work life. Um, and in Boston, the same building Make-A-Wish was in was NBC News. And when I finished that internship, I was like, okay. So I learned, I learned a lot about what this work is and what this world is. And I'm not sure if this is where I want to end up. I think there's a piece thing that I, I want to follow. And mm. I was like, the news is fast. Like literally that was my mindset. I was like, the news is fast. Maybe I'll intern at NBC next year if they'll take me and reached out, basically stalking people reached out and sent at this time, this was like before you were doing things on LinkedIn, this was a paper resume and an envelope right. to people. And, and work. Got, and got, <laughs> exactly. And got an internship at, at uh, NBC the following year. And it was definitely a faster pace, but I, missed there the environment of being in an office and what that that meant um so sort of you know talking about wayfinding that was sort of how i bumped along to get exposure to these things in my head i imagined would be a certain fit for what i wanted and then once i actually did the work realized yeah. just more about what the reality of the role was yeah i that's awesome so this is like a real world example that now i can share when I speak at the college, I always get asked advice on what they should do. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, right. I don't know you. Um, but one of the things I tell them is like, go do it. Yes. Go intern. Oh, I need a paid internship. Well, sure. If that's what you need, that's one thing, but like, go do it. Even if it's free, because there's so much, you can learn so much, even with a free internship about what you don't want. Right. That, exactly. that it saves years on your life. Um, exactly. you know, yeah, you're not making money there necessarily, but it can, it can help you know where you, you are going to make money. So that's, that's awesome. Right. Real life example of you kind of right. like, no, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And also too, <laughs> when you think about an internship, um, because I too, I, I was chasing the dollar all of these times because I had loans to pay and I had, right. I, I needed to, to afford my, my life. Um, and, yep. and to know that I can pay those back. And so I worked every summer. I had at least two jobs. Um, and then my internships would be a couple days a week. So I, right. um, I wasn't doing an unpaid internship five days, five days a week, not making any money. I made nothing at my first one, very small dollars at my second one, but it was only a couple of days a week. So I could still work right. full time during the summer. And, you know, now I'm, you know, I've been a hiring manager for however many years. I don't look at someone's resume and say, well, this is only two days a week. And what did they pay you? Right. 
that that doesn't happen. So right. you need mm-hmm. to have the narrative around the why. Like here's here's why I did this. Here's why it was two days a week. I'm more likely to hire somebody who had to work. Who thought that way. <laughs> that way. Then I had this thing five days a week. I didn't get paid any money. And um, yeah. you know, so I think sometimes you overdo the uh, that thought process of what an internship is and what it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So jumping around a little bit. So you, you had your baby seven months ago, yeah. seven months, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And then, and then four months ago, you were promoted to VP of customer experience. Mm-hmm. So I want two mm-hmm. questions here. Yeah. One is talk to me about you taking leave as a manager. Cause mm-hmm. I think that that's, there's a unique perspective there. And I know you shared a bunch on LinkedIn that we mm-hmm. can totally drop in the show notes links yeah. to that, mm-hmm. but you, you, you going out um, and you had to do all the hard work. I'm told that I have, I'm useless as a, as a <laughs> husband because I'm, I don't have the goods, but like, so you get to go out and, um, you know, have this experience, third baby, right? Third baby. And, and so you leaving as a manager, what did you do to set your team up for success and yourself? But then sure. talk to me about the coming back as well. And then, and then I just need to, I want to hear from you, like, hey, I'm back. And then you get this yeah. promotion, which is pretty awesome. Thanks. Um, yeah, so it's going, this is my third, my third maternity leave, first adrift. And um, I think what's, what, what I've always encountered, even without being on maternity leave, because I've been responsible for building teams mm-hmm. uh, at, at the, the few companies I've, I've recently been at, a lot of your job is to replace yourself. Mm-hmm. And so um, you're used to needing to know how to do that. I call it becoming Peter Pan shadow. You want to hire <laughs> somebody who can take the thing that you've, you've built from scratch or built from whatever you've needed to build from and got into a place where it's operational. It's here mm-hmm. and it needs the next person to take it and bring it to where it's going to get to next. And so I, I think having done a few rounds of that, when I was at HubSpot doing the international office setup, uh, you're building these teams, you're looking for the person who's going to come in and take it to the next level and you exit stage uh, left or right. Yep. Whatever. And so maternity leave is, a, is also a lot like that. And I think it's for somebody going through it for the first time, it can be really scary. Like, Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, why would you hire somebody who has done this thing? We hired a individual by the name of Kevin. He's fantastic. He was at Athena health for 18 years has scaled and operationalized customer success team. So my goal before maternity leave was find my replacement, find the person who's gonna come in and take this thing to the next level. Um, Cause they built it for the past two plus years and gotten into a place where it's here, we're operating and he's gonna take it there. So I can take on the next thing that the company needs and that David needs. And so leaves, hmm. whether it's parental leave um, or you're at a, a specific stage of growth at a company, Sometimes it's easy to get stuck in, in this idea of your ladder. Like I must mm-hmm. do this and then I need to get here and then I need to get here. Um, but your, your best opportunity for growth is going to be identifying what you can do to help take on that next thing. And at Drift, um, our CEO had this vision of what, what servicing our customers would be. And mm-hmm. it was launching customer success, launching customer support, and eventually being able to build of first class full-time function of experience. And so when I joined, he was like, I need these two things built first and then we're gonna get here. Um, So it was also somewhat coincidental in terms of our growth and timing that this next thing came 
as I was returning and that became the next thing to do. But sure. it's, it's being able to find the people and recruit the people in who are going to take this thing that you built and gotten it to a point um, and take that to the next level so you can take on more and not having a mentality of being a kingdom builder. I think sometimes that's the other thing too, where it's like, mm. oh, this, is fine. this is fine. Like, nope, get it to where it needs to go to and then see where you can be best leveraged and, and, and utilized next. And so that's been, I think, a big part of, beyond my maternity leaves that's been a big part of my career growth and, and what i focused on very cool very cool i think it's i think it's very interesting that you have been able to do that each time with maternity leave where so often we hear the horror stories or we have this voice maybe in our heads of well a woman leader going on maternity leave probably cuts the legs out from under her and and that happens and yet you've been able to turn that around and, and go to the next level each time that's just that's I don't know if, I don't know if that's a combination of like you plus the leaders that you're yeah. reporting to or that's it, awesome. And I'll, I'll say too though, it's, it doesn't mean it's easy, right? Like, <laughs> sure. So, you know, I, I feel great about where I am and what's going on, but running a thing and also customer experience is brand new to me. Um, sure. Customer marketing is brand new to me. I've never done it before. So. Right. Um, it's brand new to all of us for the record. <laughs> you're making me feel better. Brand new. <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, you come back from being out and um, no matter what, your your goal is to figure out how do I add value? Mm -hmm. Do I add value? Do you need me? Um, because <laughs> nine times out of 10, a, a parent doesn't have to be a woman, male or female comes yeah. back, back from leave. And the thing that they once were leading is doing what it needs awesome. to do in their absence. <laughs> And right. so you can look at that and say, wow, I really set that up for success. Or like, wow, am, am I needed here? And that goes through your head. It goes through everyone's heads. Every day. Um, because you're, you're leaving someone else at home or in, in the care of someone else so you can come into work. And I think, you know, you have to talk about that. And you have to also t have those open conversations with your managers and also with other people in your company who are responsible for parent returners. Um, cause there's, a, there's an invisible clock or stopwatch that goes off the second you come back from your first day. So if you come back to work and you have piles of dust in boxes on your desk and no one knows that you're coming back and there's no real plan and you know, the world's gone on without you and you don't know what you're going to do. It's really easy to say, I don't need to be here. And so I think you mm -hmm. need to be clear. Um, and I've done this each of my returns in saying, I want to be here. Here's, here's um, what I'm excited to, to dive into next. And uh, coming back from leave is a really good time for transition because if that thing is where it needs to be and that's great, what can you take on next? And, and I think sometimes as a woman, you have to raise your hand and say, don't go easy on me either. I'm here for a reason. Mm -hmm. I work full time. I want to be here. I've had conversations, tough conversations with people about hey, I noticed I wasn't asked to go to this thing and the feedback would be, well, I didn't, I don't want to like put stress on you or burden you. Um, and so having the confidence to say that and say, thank you, but I'll, I'll tell you if I can't do it. Um, Fair. I assume I can't because I have kids and mm -hmm. you have to repeat that and you have to talk about that. Um, and you also have to share that with, with other people in your, your networks that it, it's okay to come back and be happy to be back. You know, a lot of times when you come back to work, people feel sorry for you. Right. Um, but the reality is, like, this is this is my life. This is the career I'm in. Right. I enjoy it. I want to be here. 
Um, so somewhat of a roundabout way to talk about all of those things you just asked, but it's complicated and right. um, it is hard. And that's okay. Yeah, it's, it's okay. And that's okay. Coming back yeah. and starting and building from scratch again uh, can be intimidating, but um, having those conversations about what you want are, are so important because sometimes people assume what you want and you don't get the, the work that you, you know that you're capable of. Yeah. There's some customer experience uh, sound bites in there too, oh, okay. <laughs> right? Yeah, we could use that so, for that. So let's so let's pivot a little bit. That's amazing, sure. and I love the idea about thinking about the returners because mm -hmm. um, I just took parental leave as well and came back, and it was you know as a as a boss, I don't have anyone organizing that for me, but the team did really good, just kind of keeping me up to date where things were. Um, but uh, but yeah, thinking about the the dusty desk or or like the stack of papers however it however it's perceived that's a it's a really interesting really interesting thing so so vp uh customer experience mm -hmm. what what is what's your mission what are you trying to accomplish for drift just kind of like package that up and then we can talk right. a little bit more about the journey there because that's that's lofty amazing but also like what does it mean what is it exactly yeah, yeah I, I came home from work my first day back he's like how's work i was like great i have a new job and my husband was like, okay cool this is he's, he's learned what what the world of startup is um yeah the, the way i talk about it is um you know we talked earlier about the past 10 years of growth and, and what's happened in marketing and customer success is really close to 10 years old as well even my transition into customer success when I was at my previous company was account management turning into something that was more customer friendly. And so where we are now and the way I like to talk about it is the customer has now earned the seat at the go-to-market table. And so we often think about what happens with customers as a post onboarding, um, very specific to a function of the business. Um, type of work where mm. what customer experience does is it looks at the end-to-end -end journey of a customer. So from being a glimmer in the eye of a business at the very top of the funnel all the way through to renewal, what are the things we're doing to map out the exact journey that we want that customer to experience with your brand, mm. with your business? And so customer success is a component of this. And so part of the work I'm doing is partnering with our success team to enable them to have the right conversations we want them to be having, to enable them with the content we want to work in service to what they're doing. Um, customer success can't just be brute force. Like we're gonna figure it out with people and the right ratios. There needs to be more um, to, to be something that supports that entire engagement with the customer. And so um, what we're building are, are a few things. One is customer marketing. And so customer marketing being, yes, the campaigns and the content that is in service to the different stages of the life cycle, but also what are the templates, what are the tools that our uh, customer facing employees are leveraging so that there's a unified brand voice across the experience that people have with Drift. Uh, the other mm -hmm. end of that is advocacy. And so when you think about your customers who are willing to engage with you, to share their stories, to be reference calls, to refer to their network. There's a whole line of work. There are a bunch of companies who do this really, really well. Marketo is one that comes to mind, where creating a true advocacy network and advocacy path and advocacy programs, um, in addition to customer events, to, to build that network and to build that out as part of what we're doing. 
And then the other part that's going to live in customer experience for us is voice of the customer. So this idea that um, much like the, the rigor that goes into employee experience, you hear a lot about mm -hmm. uh, Glassdoor reviews and employee interest. <laughs> We want to do that for our customers. So when you think about the external feedback you get, as well as the internal feedback you get from your customers, what do you do with that? How do you respond to it? How do you engage? And how do you start to build really strong engines around uh, the engagement experience you have with your customers based off of the feedback they give you? And how do you then take that feedback and deliver it across the entire company so that you're truly listening to what those customers have to say and are responding and, and taking action in your business and in your products? Um, for what your customers are asking for. So those, those are the biggest pieces that are um, on deck for us this year, building that out and operationalizing it. You got your mouth, you got, you got your mouth full. You got your hands full with that one. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. it's, um, and, and I think too, part of it is uh, simplifying it, like keeping this really simple at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Again, we talked earlier about building kingdoms. Like this is not going out and hiring 90 people to do this work. It's being really thoughtful about the incremental steps that'll make an impact both to our, our customers seeing value from us, um, making sure that these activities and these things aren't just done to make us feel good about them, but they actually are driving results. And for us, that means uh, real revenue and then real revenue for our customers. Um, and thinking about what we can do now to set a foundation to grow this thing over time. That's fun. It That's fun. fun. So, so you've been in the customer experience side of this for, for quite a while with Drift. So what do you think is one of your biggest shipwrecks that you've come across so far? Yeah, I like that. I like that question. Because um, when I think about it too, I don't feel like I've had, I don't, when I reflect on this or just like the journey yeah. of success, I don't feel like there's like a Titanic moment where it's like, wow, I sure. Here's the Titanic. Well, that's and, good. <laughs> and like, here's like, boom, here was this big thing that happened. And like, as a result, like if someone were bored enough to write like the tabloid story of somebody in tech's life, there's not this like monumental thing. It's like this bad sure. thing happened. Here's what she learned and she moved on. But I think, and this is probably worse, um, I've definitely capsized a lot of boats. And there you go. Everywhere. <laughs> um, and, when, and when I think about it, it's, um, it's hard to pinpoint a very specific one. I think the journey from, um, you know, eight years at HubSpot and international growth, and then starting and building everything customer facing from scratch at Drift, um, there are probably categories of, of wreckage, right? Like categories okay. of capsizing. Um, I think one is, you think about the hard times in establishing the numbers and the metrics, and then the times when you miss those things. Um, often it's a result of, uh, just for me personally, what I found overcomplicating. So overcomplicating what the team needed to do to achieve their goal, um, trying to do too many things at once. So when I talk about the mm -hmm. especially at the very beginning of building a team, building a function, building an area in some part of the world, you throw a lot of things at the wall to, to get what you need to, to stick. Um, mm -hmm. We have to move away from that. We talk a lot about being scrappy at, at the stage of, of startup life. And uh, often if, if you're, that scrappiness doesn't turn into being strategic in order to support scale, right? So if you, there's a mm -hmm. lot of alliteration here, but if you don't yeah. have the structure to get there, that scrappiness then can look sloppy. So I think, you know, in my own journey, I've probably 
stayed scrappy for too long and didn't move to that that next stage of we can still have you know the poignancy and that that um, feel of what it means to be scrappy can still exist, but you need to do it in a more structured way in order to scale. Um, I, I also think when I when I think of what has capsized and mistakes I've made, um, waiting too long to ask for help, um, mm. both internally. So hey, we might need products to to support us more here, or like hey, this is a conversation we need to have with sales on on what this looks like. There's mm. often I think in our world of success, this idea of bring, bring the customers to us and we'll figure it out. And, um, you know, I certainly should have done more at different stages of, of teams I've been on to sort of wave that flag and say, Hey, if we want to move this thing forward, it, we need to be in partnership to do it. Uh, and also who's done it bigger, better, uh, grander than what we're attempting to do. Um, sure. In working for for David Cancel here at Drift, I remember coming to him with a strategy for something, and I was really proud of it. Spent a lot of time on it, and he was like, "Great, who are your role models? Who are the other people you're, you've talked to who have done this, who have messed this up?" And I was like, uh, "I I didn't do that." Like, well, how could you think this is a good plan if you haven't talked to anyone who doesn't work here or doesn't work at the place you were before, who's done this before? And I was like, "Wow." I, the first time anyone said that to me and I've been working a long time. I probably should sure. be doing this a lot more. Um, so that's great insight. An aha moment, like, wow, I probably could have avoided a lot of these capsized boats had I learned hmm. from other people and didn't think like I'm gonna bring it all on my own and figure it out myself. That's awesome. Relationships, man, right? Communication exactly. relationships. Exactly. And people are really willing to help you. Um, yeah, no one likes to see no one likes to see you make the same mistake that they no make. no and people also <laughs> like to talk about themselves they like to share like if somebody's been up and on the other side of that mountain that i'm trying to climb and they've done it they're very yeah. happy to talk about it and i think one of the best things i did at his um very strong recommendation was here here's some people please or here are some companies go find out the person who did this thing and make them your friends uh, or go talk to them. And that has just unlocked this whole other world of mm. network and learning. And so now entering this new world of customer experience, I've really spent uh, more time than, than I have in the past in new roles, talking to people who have done it, talking, learning, um, in a friendly way, stalking businesses who I admire, who are doing it really well, and just asking, like, are you willing to talk? Are you willing to engage? Are you willing to introduce me to people? I shared something on LinkedIn the other day and just said, who are the people I should be watching who do this really well? I got over 60 responses in a day just from people mm. saying, check out this person, check out this person. It's, it's amazing how willing people are to share. Um, yeah. I, I wish I'd been doing that for the past 10 years. So mm. learning, but something that is, is helpful for sure. Good, good soundbite there. And, and out of all those 60, who is one or two that you would now pass on to somebody asking for the same thing? Oh, exactly. A bunch of them, actually. It's there, there are people in there who have run, um, when I think about, I, I mentioned earlier that, but the Marketo team, like what they do is fantastic for customer advocacy and in customer marketing. Um, also, it's interesting to hear people outside of, of your world. So when you get mm. feedback, I keep having people bring up 
um, oh, you should talk to this person who worked at Disney World and Walt Disney. Um, and, and so you hear, you hear things like that and I get feedback like that, like look to uh, a business, maybe outside of the SaaS world or the software, software SaaS world, who, who does this right when you think about building an incredible engine around mm -hmm. her experience and what that looks like. And so getting that feedback, I never would have thought, check out their business model and what they do, but things like right. that are really eye-opening. Yeah, parallel markets, parallel yeah, exactly. markets. The same but different. Yeah. So how about, um, so that's your shipwrecks, that's what you've learned. Yes, many, many, uh, many capsized boats. <laughs> I, love, I love that picture of capsized boats. Like rather yeah. than a giant yacht right. sinking to the bottom of a bay, it's just rowboats that you've capsized. You're like, okay, I'm going to pick up all my stuff and keep Let's moving on. Let's not do that again. Some are probably like large speed boats. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. A lot of, yeah, a lot of, a lot of debris. Uh, but that's part of it. If you're going to work at this stage, you have to be yeah. willing to take that risk. Uh, wear yeah. your life jacket. Yeah. <laughs> willing to take that risk. But, you know, I think one of the biggest things I've learned too, it's like, and learn not to make the same mistakes twice. So yes. if you're going to do it, things you're going to do are going to fail and are not going to work. Um, and there's going to be some pain in there, but can you learn to make the next time or the next person who takes this thing on less painful? Mm -hmm. um, that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So how about on the flip side, what about a, a, a proudest moment over your career that you can look back at and go, okay, here's where I really, you know, did it right. Yeah. It. yeah. Um, you know, it's, I don't know what the analogy would be for like one killed it, but I, when I look back, I think the thing I'm just, I, I am proudest of is when you look at people who, who you made a bet on, or you, you look mm. at someone that you hired and you just see them soaring. And I like, I'm not taking credit for it at all, but you see, you, you saw someone, you believed in them, you worked really closely with them and you were just like, wow, this person is so talented, so thoughtful. And, and then you see their career take off and you see them do incredible things. And so when I look back on teams, and often teams that were built out of some of these shipwrecks, mm -hmm. know what they, they came on to do and to work in partnership with you on and then how they've grown, how they've soared. That's, that to me is the best part of this entire thing. If at the end of the day, you get to sort of look back and say, wow, I hired that person in that office when it was, we were still wearing hard hats. And we kind of didn't know what we were doing and we were open about it and talked about, you know, someday this will be a whatever size person office at this market cap and you are going to be such a staple in this growth and to look back and see that person still there and killing it. It's, it's just incredible because you're, that, that's seeing that people can see it through as well and, mm -hmm. and get to that point where they're taking on so much more that you knew that they were capable of that. That's me the, the best part. Um, you know, I think one of my capsized boats was building our customer support team. I'd never done that before. Uh, we had to build from scratch. We were at a place a few years ago where support was something that everyone at the company had drifted. So we didn't have a team to do it. It was all of us taking, taking time to, to take that on. And so had to build a model that we could get to a place where we could scale it and have somebody else take on and, and grow it. And there are people who were with us at the very beginning of that when it was the very, very first months of how do we even do this? How do we <laughs> the tools? How do we measure it? Like really painful early stuff, learning from other people to figure it out, scaling it. 
Um, and there are some people who are there along that, that journey who have now taken really cool roles in product and customer success and are doing, doing these things um, that, that I'm just really proud to see them uh, take on these new and interesting things, having also built and learned through this, this process of taking something from scratch to fully functioning, operating off to the, the next level, doing bigger and better things with, with new people. Hmm. Man. I love it. Uh, it's so good. It goes back to relationships. I mean, I, I think mm-hmm. what's so cool about your proudest moment is seeing that investment in others. Um, and it even goes back to that article on medium that you shared back in January about investing in relationships and just being a good human that leads to your proudest moment. So like just so much, so much of a holistic point of view from you, Julie. So thank you for that. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thanks. Um, so, so it's, go ahead. Remember. Go ahead. Nope. Go Dan. <laughs> well, I'm jumping all over. <laughs> that's all right. Well, it's, it sounds like you were giving a little bit of advice there, Julie, but I want to know if you're going to be a wayfinder to someone, what would be the pers- first piece of advice that you would give as they're on this customer experience journey? Yeah. Um, I think one is back to the relationships piece. You never know someday who is going to be your customer, who is mm. going to be your coworker, who's going to be your boss. You have no idea. Um, the world is so small, especially in the, the bubble we live in, in, in tech and SaaS. And so invest in those relationships, get to know people, um, get to know them personally. I think you know, even the, the roles, I've only worked at three companies in the past however many years, but each job I, I ended up getting had, to, had some connection back to a relationship I, I had built with someone who, introduced me or um, thought of me because they thought this thing would be the right next step. And so those relationships are important. Um, I also think too, kind of, kind of in the same vein, but it sounds very cliche, but not being afraid to be yourself. So I'm somebody mm-hmm. who naturally, I guess you would call me a relator. I enjoy being around people. I like talking. I like talking to people. And, you know, for a lot of my career, I was self-conscious of all the things I was not. So, you know, I'm in a VP level, it, you know, a, a startup and have been in a couple, but, you know, I, I don't have an MBA. I don't have, um, you know, any pedigree in my background. I don't come from a family with a network. Uh, I have a very loving, supportive, amazing family, but, uh, you know, I didn't have a shoe in to any of this. And I had received feedback years earlier that, you know, I, being from Boston, I need to sort of tone that down, that if I want to be successful, I have a big personality, I should reel that in, I should throttle. And I was super self-conscious for a long time because I thought that in order to be successful, I would have to um, be more demure or like a very different version of myself. And it wasn't until very recently when I got some feedback that was like, what are you you doing? Can you, this is not, work um and even david cancel he's like that's your superpower embrace it so what like yeah you, there are a bunch of things that um you don't have but like guess what that's that's why we want you in these specific roles because we think that that's your superpower and as soon as i heard that i was like what have i been doing oh my god and so let you free it, seriously, um, and, and having confidence in that. And I don't think I realized how much that weighed on me for so many years. Mm. So self-conscious of not sounding smart, not sounding like I was part of this 
you know, world of software that I'm in. And so it, again, it sounds cliche, but be confident in who you are and lean into what that is. And, and that will just, it will, it will set you free and, and it will unlock so many things that you didn't realize you were creating a barrier to just by not being comfortable in your own skin. Great advice. Great advice. Yeah. Thank you. Remzen, how about you? What do you, what do you want to know from Julie now? I already asked it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, so, um, it's, it's fantastic. Like, I love, so I love how you're using LinkedIn. So a lot of people are going out and saying me, 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 right. And, um, you had a medium article and you had multiple LinkedIn posts and I've been following you for a long time, but it's really cool. Cause you, you give, 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 and then you ask, and it's not a hard ask. It's usually like the example you're saying, like, who do I know in this, in this area? Right. Um, I think that, LinkedIn would be a much more pleasurable place if other people did the same. So keep that up. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. And is that something that you've just naturally done as a people person or is that, has that been strategic? You're like, you set out to do it a specific way. Yeah. There's, there's no strategy. I wish I could tell you like, this is my process for how I do it. <laughs> um, you know, what's interesting. I think that the stuff I write about or share ends up being something that I, I, maybe first looked for somebody else or, you know, did somebody else write something about this, you know, being mm -hmm. a returner, is, is there a conversation about this happening? Um, being, you know, the medium article you mentioned um, about being a, a person who now has kids and is happy to take time off from work. But before I had kids, I really didn't and was afraid right. to. And like there, I just think sometimes there are conversations you have internally. Um, you know, in my case, often it's with other women or other parents. And, and people would nudge me and be like, you should, you should like talk about this thing because I think it'll start a conversation. And so it really comes from that. If, I, if we're having a conversation about, uh, you know, returning to work and the challenges or like, these are the things I wish my boss knew about what it feels like to come back to work from maternity leave or parental leave, or these are the things I wish people on my team would think about in, in knowing how much we respect, uh, their personal time, even if they don't have children, like things like that, that mm -hmm. aren't talked about. Uh, usually it's a nudge from somebody who's like, you should share this. Um, and I think again, going back, to, going back to, you know, that feeling of like satisfaction or, or feeling proud about something. I had someone reach out to me a week ago who is a leader of a CS team. He was having his very first uh, parental returner coming back after having two children. So I'd been out for mm -hmm. quite, quite a while and said, can you, just take a look at my plan I have for her and give me feedback. And one of the things he had in there was, um, you know, this, this phrase, uh, or you know, some, something he wanted to go over about, I know a lot has changed. It's going to take you a long time to get back up to speed. And I don't want to overwhelm you. And I wrote back and was like, Hey, let's, let's put this in more of a positive direction. Instead of saying a lot has changed and uh, you know, it's going to be sort of overwhelming say, we're so excited to have you back. I need your help. I'm excited to partner with you. I want to bring you back in and, and get you up to speed and, and get you to a place where you're feeling like you're contributing to the business. Like put, put some positive language around that and just being able to right. have a dialogue with someone. I was like, I hope this makes a difference for that returner. But it did. Um, and so, you know, that, that's also why I do it. You know, put something out there. Hopefully it starts a conversation. If somebody wants to talk about these things, let's do it. Yeah, it's amazing. Amazing, Excellent. amazing, amazing. Is there anything that we didn't cover, Julie, that you just want to make sure you uh, 
share with our viewers and listeners? No, I think, I think we covered a lot. Um, we have. <laughs> and shipwrecks and internships and kids. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, you know, the only other thing I'll share is, you know, you asked earlier about like the path. Uh, there's a lot of advice out there right now, which is to say no. Like you're, I feel like I, if I read another article that says like your default should be no, say no to everything. I've never listened to that. Um, I usually always say yes. And, um, or if I see that people are saying no to things, I'll raise my hand and say like, hey, could I do that? And that's also open doors for me. And, you know, maybe somebody else listening will be like, well, that's crazy and that's not a good idea. But um, the whole international ride I had at HubSpot was because I raised my hand and said, hey, this looks really interesting. If you need somebody to do this, I would love to do it. Um, and a lot of people didn't want to do it. And, mm -hmm. um, and that's okay. Things, yeah, right, which is fine. Uh, other yeah. things that have come up in my life, speaking opportunities. Um, there was a random event that happened where our CEO couldn't attend something in Finland. And he messaged me and was like, hey, would you like to go to Finland like, tomorrow and speak at this thing? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> spent the whole night preparing on the plane. And maybe that sounds like crazy, insane burnout. But the way I think about it is like life is genuinely very, very short. And if somebody hands you an opportunity to do something that in your mind is going to be really, really cool, even if for that small period of time, it's going to be stressful and maybe sound a little crazy to other people in your life, do it, do it. Yep. Because you're, I joke that like all the things that people say no to, or I've said no to have then be, become the foundation of my career and the things I've, I've been very fortunate to get exposure to. So uh, say everyone's default is no, if yours is yes. You'll, you'll experience a lot of really fun, interesting things that'll help you learn. Mm -hmm. Love it. You get a high five for that one. Oh, thank Great. you. Virtual Great high advice. Five. Thank you. Thank you. Excellent. Well, we'll put some links down in the uh, the descriptions and whatnot, but um, to make sure people connect it's with you. So this has well, been awesome, Julie. Thank you. I'm glad we finally did it. I'm sorry it took us so long to communicate. <laughs> it's fun. Talking to you guys is no great. Problem. Yeah. Thank well, it's you. been a lot of fun. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it. Post it, tweet it, gram it, email a friend. Give the gift of knowledge to someone you know that could benefit from it. And if you really loved it, please consider leaving a rating and written review on your podcast player of choice. And as always, go to wayfindinggrowth.com for resources and past episodes. Remember, we're here to help you navigate your business growth with strategic conversations and insights from experts in multiple industries. Thank you for listening to Wayfinding Growth.